Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the D-Hoop University podcast. This is your host, Daryl Harris, also known as D-Hoopster. You may have heard of me, may not have, perfectly fine with that. (laughs) What's going on, folks? We are about to have a good, good, good pod. Like I said, this is episode 44. I was got a little nervous. I didn't know if I had a numerical shout out for 44 and then it hit me. And that's why I love doing this because I want them to just be random numbers. And I will very soon come across numbers that I'll have to Google. But 44, shout out to Barack. My president is black. If you know, you know. Shout out to Barack Obama, man. Class act. And uh, I don't care how you feel about Barack. That man painted us as black people in a positive light in the White House for eight years. So I don't want to hear it. Even Joe, even Joe's got a son out here going to trial. (laughs) I done got serious to start it off, folks. If you can't tell, I'm ready to pot because there is an abundance of topics to pick from. And even coming up with the format of the episode for me was fun because this was a big, big, big week since you've heard from me last because Friday couldn't happen because I had just downloaded 2K and I wanted to get some run. And then it turned out to be the biggest SmackDown we probably had in multiple years. So I I needed the time to do that. And then we're in the weekend, folks. Hey, it happens. D-hoop you. I don't take attendance. I don't, you know, I just ask that you leave the show review. I don't do anything like that. That's the vibe we rocking with over here. (laughs) Sometimes class gets canceled. Who doesn't appreciate that email from time to time? Hey guys, something came up today. You know, cars taking long at the shop. No class today. Assignments still due. I'll email you guys, blah, blah, blah. That's a, that's a massive W for the day whenever you got that email in college. <laughs> All right, this is the longest intro. Big J's. folks let's say there was 10 topics from the weekend that that I could have devoted a whole episode to and I know that I have plenty to say about almost each of these so I tried to boil it down and I think this is something that we're going to do going forward to recap some of these weekends structure wise but these are my weekend winners and losers and I got five that I'm going to do today, and the list isn't, you know, I'm just calling it that for now. That's fluid, but I'm going to hit the five topics that I want to and in list fashion, because who doesn't love a good list? So we're going to get that started with fantasy football. Why not? That That is a trademark of this show. The Casual Diehard Fantasy Football League Week 2 is now in the books. Let me pull up the standings because 
Your boy took an L this week. I'll start with that. But I went 2-1 and one in my ESPN league. So I only lost in that league, and I won in week one, so I'm 500. Not tripping. Definitely not tripping at all because my loss didn't come from – well, for one, I got the bad version of stacking. It happens. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, both didn't show up for me. I'm talking single digits. I think the only quarterbacks that were b- below Travis, Trevor Lawrence were uh, Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Derek Carr. <laughs> but, yeah, both of those guys dropped me single digits in a hard-fought game in Kansas City. Kansas City's defense doesn't get the reputation that they've earned at this point. And, yeah, they give up points but they get a team's best every week. They're tested, and with Chris Jones out there, you know, you're getting the playoff version of this team when the other team is going to bring that out of them. And I think that's what we got this past Sunday in Jacksonville. The heat might have been a factor, and either way, those guys didn't show up for me. I I accepted that. I accepted that by 12 noon Pacific time. Uh, Derrick Henry, he did did his job for me. got 18.5. Across the board, you know, DK Metcalf did his job to a lesser extent. He got me 13, but, you know, Kenneth Walker got two early touchdowns and was on the verge of a human, you know, humongous game. But they they dumped the third touchdown to Charbonnet, so it is what it is. But I made mistakes by starting Zay Jones over Christian Kirk, who I drafted. You saw the reel of the strategy with that. I believed in the rapport he had with Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor was looking for him. This was a game where the Jags were in the red zone mad times. There was no shortage of opportunity for the Jaguars in this game. They just were playing the defending champions, who they nearly beat in the previous matchup they had in the playoffs. So the Chiefs didn't come lightly, and they lost in week one. What we got right there was a you know, 10 out of 10 effort game from the Kansas City coaching staff and personnel. So, hey, you know, we'll hold this L if hopefully. But still, I didn't play Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk went off for 21. I didn't play Sky Moore. Sky Moore got me 16 on the bench. And Jalen Warren, he's emerging. He got 12.6 in PPR. Najee Harris posted back-to-back five-point games in fantasy. Really, really sad, you know, situation with Najee. But I knew this, and that's why he wasn't getting drafted. I picked up Hunter Henry throughout the week and said, you know what, Dalton Schultz was almost a no-show in week one. I have a feeling he'll bounce back and be there. I don't know why I'm playing a rookie receiver's tight end. Shame on me. Hunter Henry got me 17 on the bench. He was tight end two. Dalton Schultz posted a measly seven. I also reached and played Houston's defense because I thought, you know, D'Amico Ryans was going to have those boys playing. And, you know, I, I sat the Ravens defense, which would have been a net positive. Point is, uh, I'm looking at a, a lineup variation that easily could have got me the W this week. But shout out to Terrell, because Terrell came through. He had Anthony Richardson, who was on pace for a monster, monster, monster game and got pulled in the first half because he had to go enter concussion protocol. Um, and that might have happened on a touchdown scoring play. So that's unfortunate. Because kids out there just playing, you know what I mean? Going hard, but shout out to Sazowski. We breezed past shout outs, by the way. I guess I'll do shout outs at the end. My fault. I, I got down to business today, folks. It's a, it's a Monday night, you know. 
the same energy. Keep that same energy all week. Treat every day like Monday. <laughs> um, Anthony Richardson was on pace to, man, I believed in him as well. He's starting for me in my live local fantasy, A News Now League. <laughs> and now I have to go find a different starter because he might not play week two, week three. And the Colts don't necessarily have to play him because Gardner Minshew is more than competent. They act, that game had the highest scoring total of any game in week two. And he, you know, you would have thought their, you know, competition kind of was par amongst the teams. But Gardner Minshew got a lot out of that offense. So they don't have to rush Anthony Richardson coming back. He's also their future. So I wouldn't be surprised if he sits at least one game just to make sure he's more than 100% before we see him out there again because apparently there was a scare in week one. But I was talking to Sazowski because he pointed out that he was sliding head first and just the fact that you can't take these risks this early, feel the league out first, you're playing grown men, you know. And, yeah, the, the, the sort of injury he might have got if it comes back to – being attributed to that touchdown where he got, you know, knocked into the end zone and just kind of fell backwards sort of hard. There is some correlation with how he fell and how Tua Tungavailoa fell on one of his, I think the head injury that kind of forced him to lock up. I think it was, you know, that same sack where he just fell back, but instead of like rolling a certain way, back of the helmet just made, you know, good contact with the grass and that, you know, can knock you out. And Anthony Richardson sort of fell back in that manner. So they just got to take that stuff carefully. Um, But, yeah, Terrell had him. He had Brian Robinson Jr., which I roster in my new Zeta League with the Greek bros, my Sigma bros from Baylor. And I'm 2-0 in this league. I'm feeling really good because I – considered this week a, a L because I also have Lawrence and ETN in this league and I also started AJ Dillon because I thought that he had you know carte blanche in the system this week with Aaron Jones being out and of course Jordan Love gets in the red zone time and time again and looking like Peyton Manning but didn't get him the W ATL but I have those guys in this league and they all got me single digits as well in the early games so I'm like I'm cooked Justin Jefferson posted 25 for me on Thursday night. Dalton Kincaid came through in the morning with 9.3. If you're paying attention, Dalton Kincaid has already surpassed Dawson Knox in the total tight end rankings two weeks in. He's amassed more points and yarders than him. So, just saying, he's going to be a target for Josh Allen going forward. So, I'm feeling good about Dalton. But it was Brian Robinson Jr., man, who stole the show in the afternoon game. And I made him my flex. I was actually going to aggressively play Brees Hall in the flex. But I pulled I pulled the trigger. But I had him there because him and Brian Robinson, he and Brian Robinson, had midday games. So I wanted to have the option of playing somebody in the afternoon games who I could kind of choose between based off whatever the score was. And I was it was like 90 to 50, I want to say, after the morning game. So I'm like, oh, I'm cooked. Damn. All I got left is a defense, kicker, and my flex, and Christian Olave on Monday night. But 
Brian Robinson followed through on my hopes for him and my observation just going, even if you go back to last season, once he emerged as the, the lead ball carrier in Washington, he gets an absurd amount of carries. They feed that guy. And back-to-back games, he had 19 attempts week one, 18 attempts week two. And in week one, he also had two. He had one catch, and he had two catch week two. But he had a passing, he had a receiving touchdown in week one. So that boosts his total. Either way, he didn't get a rushing touchdown week one, week two. I said, hey, if you're giving the ball to a guy this much, if the offense has any juice, he'll find the end zone soon enough. And he had two touchdowns for Washington, finished with 28.9. I looked at my score and said, wait a second, how do I have a chance? Because not only did they get busy, but Washington's defense logged me seven sacks. Let's go, boys. You know what I mean? So these guys brought me back into the game. And uh, shout out to Mr. Graham. Uh, I had to take it down this week. Pause. But uh, that's that's uh, the bros. Or I, you know what? I honestly don't know, man. This might be Derwin. This might be his dad. Because I thought Derwin had Joe Burrow. And if so, uh, I, I sent Derwin to 0-2. And I feel good about that. <laughs> but he also had Anthony Richardson on the bench. And on my New Zealand League team, I also had Mike Williams, Christian Kirk on the bench. They both had really good productive games as well. But unless I played Brian Robinson in that flex spot, I would not have had this W. So that that was a big deal. Olave outperformed Miles Sanders on Monday night, got me the W. 2-0, baby. 2-0. I also snuck down Gill in the work league. Not really sure how I got this W. His team didn't go crazy either, but this is standard scoring non-PPR, so the totals, you know, take the juice out. But I was able to sneak him in that league, so I'll take that. One and one. One and one and two and oh are my records. So we move. We move. Other shout outs go to my brother. My brother went crazy in the casual diehard league. I think he dropped one fifty six is the number. 156.7, and guess who we did it against, folks? Team Shiv. <laughs> but hey, it happens. You, sometimes you, losing to the guy whose team went off is like a badge of honor because it's just like, look at this. You know what I mean? What am I supposed to do about this? I don't want to hear nothing from any of you because what would y'all have done against this? Whatever. Put me, Give me the L. <laughs> and then Armando, man. One of our photogs at Channel 8. I have to give him his flowers because my guy pulled off a perfect season last year, and I've never seen that done in fantasy. But he did it. He went undefeated. Championship and everything. And I had a learning curve in this non-PPR league. It's also a three-receiver league. So you're playing three receivers, two running backs, and a flex, and a tight end. So think that adds up to eight or nine skill position guys and when you're not doing PPR it takes the juice out of certain players and you kind of need that quarterback to go crazy as well but yeah man he's he went crazy he dropped 168 in that league so I glad I don't have him let's let's see when I do have Armando because we picked back to back in this draft he was picked four and I was picked five or I was five and he was six one of the two 
schedule. We don't play Armando until week nine. So uh, see you then. I'll be eight and one. Speaking into existence. <laughs> Moving on. Number two on the weekend winners and losers. This is a winner, folks, because uh, we had a good weekend betting. And I just wanted to reflect and uh, kind of keep tally of how I'm doing personally. So that, uh, that way I'm being smart with it. And that way it's ideally a net positive <laughs> and I'm not being financially irresponsible. But shout out to JB the ticket man. Not only did he say bet on yourself, but he came on here and dropped the grease about sports betting being a means of something if you already have knowledge of the game and it's worth it. It's worth it. There's millions of dollars going to it. And if you're, if you know, you feel knowledgeable enough, there's no reason not to take a chance and then it's up to you if you want to continue with it or not. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was a, uh, I pulled out two multi-leggers that I considered 100% cooked in the second half of both of them because the first one hinged upon the Giants coming back from what felt like 28 nothing, but it was 28-7 to against the Arizona Cardinals all in the second half. It led to Daniel Jones actually being the second highest or uh, first highest quarterback in fantasy, but I had to watch that game until the very, 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 very end and try to keep hope alive yet downplay the fact that I'm really getting like, oh my God, is this happening? Because I was a three-teamer of afternoon games that I narrowed down to what I, what I really liked. And I, I, I took Giants money line because I didn't even want to consider factoring in the points. I said, uh, they better beat these guys. This team should not be 0-2 and definitely not at the Cardinals' expense. And somehow that, that paid off, <laughs> that, line, that line of thinking. The second bet, my Monday night parlay, came down to the Saints and Panthers scoring a combined 18 points in the fourth quarter and 11 of those points in the last five and a half minutes. <laughs> I made a teaser, folks. I made a teaser um, because, you know, when you're making parlays, you can stack teams and you can pick them and you can run with the spread. Folks, you bet enough, you will learn that these folks making the spread know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. and. Sometimes there's ones that jump out at you, but a lot of times you have to use your own discernment and figure out is there value in what they're putting based on the conviction of my opinion on how this game's going to go. And it was two very low numbers posted as the unders for the Monday night games and the over-unders, the totals. And if you look at Sunday's games, I want to say that all but two games went over. One being the Kansas City 
and Jacksonville game because that has all my fantasy roster. Why would that game need to be high scoring? You feel me? Um, and the other one, uh, I don't remember right off the top of my head, but Monday night, that made me feel like, okay, these two low totals are scary because every game went over yesterday. But my gut is always with the over, whether it's NBA, whether it's NFL, and I have to try and limit it to that because those are the ones I know the best. But in my head, when I think about how a game is going to go, you know, I, I sort of lean towards the talent. Where's, you know, what kind of talent are we talking about in this in this setting? And what do I think of these offenses versus these defenses and stakes and all that? And I have more conviction saying this game's going over than I do saying this game's going under. And the under comes out, I want to say, you know, has a slight edge in totals. But I li- I loved these numbers, but I just knew something's off still. I can't take these numbers at face value because I can see this Cincinnati Pittsburgh game being an AFC North classic where it's 13 to 9 or, you know, at say 17 14. And those all would have been unders. And uh it was 39 and 37 and a half or 38, 38 and 39. And I did a teaser um, along with the winners. Picked the winners right. But I said, I will buy, you know, the lower payout just to get the cushion because these numbers are tempting, but I know it's going to be spot on and we're due for some unders. And I want to go over on them both. But you know what? Let's tease them down. And that takes the juice out of the payout, like I said. But... It, it wouldn't have hit the way that it hit for me if I didn't take the teaser. And that's because the total, it was the Carolina-New Orleans game that, that had no points going up. And, man, I, like I said, t- just gave up mentally, just said, all right, whatever, L. I, I could have, you know, ate my day one earnings and, and, and just chilled, but I had to do what I had to do. Oh, well, wait a second. Don't tell me they're coming back. Or don't tell me they're putting points up. (laughs) Either way, it happened. It came through. Your boy is very happy about that. And um, we went, we we had a good weekend. We had a good weekend. So, you know, if I I talk football with you, I I value your your knowledge and I want to hear where you're coming from because, yeah, I'm trying to be – a more better than average better <laughs> for my livelihood it would be uh, conducive if that were the case but this season uh, I'm going to put a lot of good you know effort and and seeing how it goes and I'll be somewhat transparent with you guys but I'll talk about it for sure because you know I pay attention to the lines and we listen to JV show on Saturdays and Sundays KSHP shout out getting up early to beat the line <laughs> But, you know, hey, when you do your homework, it pays off sometimes. Now, oh, there's one other trend, and I'll mention these numbers before I get out of here. The underdogs were 8, 6, and 2 against the spread. 8, 6, and 2 against the spread were the underdogs. The underdogs went 6 and 10 outright. So six games had underdogs straight up hit, 
just remember that, and you know, hey, it happens every week. I don't care what, how easy it looks. We're talking about a real game with real players and real people, and things happen sometimes. So these underdogs do hit every week. It's just about getting lucky, you know. <laughs> but at what point is it not luck? There's also this weird late push to put points on the board and some of these, you know, attempted comebacks. Like we saw San Francisco kick a field goal at the end. And it was like, oh, well, if it goes down in point, you know, five seconds less, we'll have enough time for an onside and maybe this, maybe that. And it's like, Darrell, give it up. But we got to pay attention to that because Carolina had a situation this this in this game where if they didn't get the touchdown on the end of the game, towards the end of the game, they could have just kicked a field goal. But the fact that they kicked that they scored the touchdown, it, it forced the cover. And it's just one of those things, man. But uh, we live. We, we, we live. Number three. This one was made the list because my mom called me about it. Saturday night, I'm uh, babysitting big time. Big time babysitting. But I had a blast, man. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Watching my niece and nephew with Sebastian. And uh, my mom calls me at about 10 o'clock. Not even babysitting. It was a summer party, folks. Big sleepover vibes. Big, cool uncle. All of that. <laughs> um, my mom calls me at about 9 o'clock. I figured that she's just calling to check in with the kids. You know what I mean? She knows I'm watching them. She's like, you watching the game? I said, uh, I mean, um... I got a movie on right now. I, I'm I'm playing you. I mean, I'm 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 watching the UFC fights and uh, you know the kids. You know they running around. JV, I'm playing the game. Which you? Oh, you talking about Colorado? Because I did mean to watch that game. And she's like, yeah, they on there pushing, shoving. Oh, you know they talking so much mess about Dion. So I'm watching like, okay, this is a good game. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm asleep, dog. I'm over here missing prime time. In prime time. If you know, you know. Man, so I, I tuned in for the second half of this Colorado, Colorado State game. Shout out to College Game Day. Teaser for later in the show. But I couldn't believe what I saw, man, to an extent. And that's just how you know this dude, Deion Sanders, and this team. This is a special thing that we're watching right now. And this might be one of the best storylines in college football. I can't tell you off the top of my mind what comes close, what, what, what's next in line outside of just the effervescent Alabama of it all. And that has nowhere near the news value that this Deion Sanders situation does. So, yeah, this is special, folks. When your mom calls and asks, are you watching the game? That means that whatever is going on has some pretty serious motion. And, and that's the case with Colorado. That's the case with Dion. That's the case with Shadur. And I can't wait to see where it goes, man. I'm just enjoying it. I didn't bet that game. I'm like, okay, these fools about to come back. I sort of feel it. And then you get the punt. The punt rolls out, coffin corner next to the pylon. 
All right, so these fools got to go 99 yards to force overtime and then get the two-point conversion with, like, exactly two minutes on the clock without their best receiver? Man, knock it off, man. They're not doing that, dog. It's not. It's, this, this ain't that for real. And guess what, folks? They they march. <laughs> force overtime. Get the successful two-point conversion. Everybody looks tired. Everybody looks like, oh, my God. I honestly can't believe what happened either. But I'm, I'm in the moment, and I know we got to play in overtime now. So let, let's get it. And they pull it out double, triple overtime. I don't even know. It was a moment, dude. It was crazy. It was it it, it was very crazy. And Deion Sanders and this Colorado Buffaloes team, man, they they are going places this season. They got Oregon next. Shout out to Sizzo. He told me what Oregon's done this season. I think they've put up fifty in every game, folks. And I think they're gonna play without Travis Hunter because of a very, very, very dirty, nasty late hit. Now he's going to be out. I think he had a ruptured spleen was the diagnosis or something. And, oh, man, I didn't see that hit when it happened because I wasn't watching the first half. And then when I first, then when I did see it, I said, oh, man. By the way, folks, my fantasy notes, I had a whole lot more. One of those were Nick Chubb. I'm just going to, you know, pivot from uh, Dion and them because that was all I had right there, man. That was special. But – it made me remember and look back down in my notes because I'm just breezing with y'all. But I got I got some more fantasy notes for you. We saw another nasty Monday night injury. And with another, I'm referencing the Aaron Rodgers one, and that one was not brutal on the eyes. This one was. This one was, oh, man. It, it, this one was stomach-turning. We didn't even air it in our news at 11 just because And Chris Matthews with a great, great call on it says, you know, you know, you don't need to see it. But um, head coach Stevens, head coach Stefanski for the Browns came out in post game and said, yeah, he's done for the season. It's a serious injury. And I think that that is without any formal diagnosis. So, man. Thoughts and prayers go out to Nick Chubb. That's a tough one, man. That, that's a very tough one, especially with the running back market and climate is kind of like th- this points to the conservative argument when it comes to paying these guys. But it, it, really tough to see. He was probably, you know, on pace to do great things again this season as he as we've become accustomed to. But shout-outs to him, man. Get better. Get well. Take your time. Um, but this is clearing the lane for Jerome Ford, ladies and gentlemen. This this guy, Jerome Ford, came out of nowhere. And he looked damn good running the ball. There there was one play against Pittsburgh where he reversed field, turned the corner, scored, ran for about probably 70 yards if you're just tracing it with the finger. But um, – you know, 40-plus-yard touchdown or so, dough for it at the end zone. He's going to be a, a hot commodity. And you better take a swing on him if you think you might need him because 
what we learned with Puka Nakua is the right fantasy ad, waiver wire ad, can be season-defining because Puka Nakua is him, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to say it. Listen to me. Puka Nakua is him. This man has 35 catches on the season. 35. You know what's wild? He had 20 targets in week two. And I saw this. What really made it clear as day for me during this Rams 49ers game was that Puka Nakua had the wrist tape on like his forearm. And I think he's number 17 or something like that. And I said, he looks just like Cup out there. He's literally the safety net primary, you know, X receiver that Matthew Stafford is just connecting with right now. And this isn't by hook or by crook. This guy's like that. And he is wide receiver two in fantasy this season so far, only because Tyreek Hill dropped 44 in week one PPR. But he has 52 fantasy points through two weeks. And that's without scoring a touchdown yet. So, he's the real deal. As is Kyron Williams. Cam Akers is apparently on uh, the trade market. He was moved to the inactive list before the game. So, he's done. They're done with him. Kyron Williams has his backfield. He was probably at it this week and it's too late. Just wanted to touch on the fact that, yeah, he's him. We can agree. B. John Robinson. He is him. He will just validate that statistic that running backs in the top 10 have all went on to have, I want to say it's top 10 fantasy seasons in recent memory. Um, And, yeah, without a doubt, B. John Robinson is a great runner. He's a pass catcher, does damage in the screens. And I had a theory I shared on here a couple weeks back about, you know what, man, the running backs, you might peak. You might be your best self fresh out of the gate pre whatever injury pre whatever you know setback just because you are running your hardest and most you know hungry that you might ever run and you're also doing this with fresh legs so yeah Bijan's hit the ground running he is going to do his thing it wasn't the Tyler Algier show the Tyler Algier show in week two not by any means he got touches, but yeah, Bijan's nice. And um, Tua, Tua had a setback in week two, and, and that's one of the fallbacks of having a quarterback that's not a dual threat because you can do a good job as a quarterback, great job as a quarterback, and that just meant managing the game, not turning it over, putting your team in scoring position, picking up third downs, you know, things like that, but that might not translate to multiple touchdowns or 350 yards. So Tua came back to earth after a crazy week one, but expect the passing volume to be there. That was against a New England team that really wanted to beat those guys, especially the defense, but they did what they had to do to get a W. Jordan Love. Jordan Love's probably a must get if he's still available wherever league you're playing because he also like I said earlier he looked like the real deal so I just wanted to come back and touch on those couple of guys 
That brings me to number four. And I had to get a loser on the list to justify the weekend winners and losers title, <laughs> which I said will be fluid. But the loser goes to 2K24. And that's just because I literally, literally did not get the time of day to try and get some extra run in 2K until briefly in Saturday. That's when I started messing around with the build for my My Career player. And more on Sunday evening, since I didn't have to watch that Patriots-Dolphins game on pins and needles, I was able to uh, chill out, play some 2K, finish my build, and get this guy on the court and see what this new 2K felt like. You know, we're on Xbox Series X. The Hoopster 628 is my gamer tag. I will be in the park once we get this guy to a justifiable level come find me but shout out to nick shout out to noah the guys i've already hit up about you know let's run so we'll be we'll be active on 2k and this guy's gonna get there it's a matter of uh when not if but i had fun with the build and i only gave like i said i gave 2k the loser just because i didn't get the time to play it and that was a personal l for me this weekend was i got so hyped i installed it friday didn't get a chance to play it came home friday night guess what controller didn't work and I was pissed. I was pissed. Because <laughs> I just bought that damn controller. Literally in June. And this is one problem I'm developing now with the Xbox. Is that these controllers aren't built like they used to be. I've gotten stick drift multiple times. But I also have a two year old. And that means that. And I also eat a lot with the game. And that's probably shame on me. It's the like primary media device. So it, it's in use all the time. And... That means I got, you know, probably dusty fingers on it and who knows what else. It's taken plenty of tumble, you know, from the couch to the carpet. What can I say? If it's on me, it's on me. Get the insurance. But I went and copped a nice, nice looking controller. So we're rocking and rolling with the Desert Breeze camo blue for sure. Blue bumpers, two tone blue on the bumpers. It's pretty. It's pretty cold. So I'm rocking with the new with the new sticks, and I have a build. I have a build that I'm excited about. My first iteration, I said, "Hey, I'm either going big guard because I, I want to get off like you know the Cade Cunningham's might like you know an athletic you know posterizing three way score." But I said that's a common popular build no shade to anybody like that but I, I've had multiple players like that in the last two Ks. I hadn't made a big and this kind of hit works for me because I played a stretch big role for the most of my like playing time so I went power forward 6-9 six, 6-9 nine. Six, nine wingspan which is the lowest you can make it because that boosts your skill that boosts your shooting that boosts your ball handling um, and you just sacrifice, you know, some other some other skills on defense, and you know. But I wanted an offensive four that could play make, just pull out whatever power forward is guarding me, and either be a threat from beyond the arc because I'm a sniper as well. But also I have you know bounce, and I can finish above the rim. I'm already six nine by the way, so my first player comps were Jeremy Grant, 
I'm forgetting the second without pulling the picture up. But it was Jeremy Grant. It was Carl Anthony Towns. And then the third one got me a little more optimistic. The third one was Rashard Lewis. And that might seem corny or like you got excited about that. But you know what type of player you would love to have or play like in a video game? Rashard Lewis. <laughs> and I'm talking finals Rashard Lewis. I'm talking Seattle Rashard Lewis with the Supersonics like sniper from outside. But this guy will put it on the floor and he will bang, bang it out. You know what I mean? And got the in-between game as well with the jumper because he's got range and touch. So that one, I said, okay, hold on, we're on to something. And I did it one more time, changed some of the physical traits a little bit more. I think I put a little bit more weight and, you know, similar basis, 6'9", power forward, offensive with range, can finish above the rim. And guess what the player comps were? Zion Williamson. Again, I got Jeremy Grant, I believe, and Paolo Bancaro. And I said, you know what? This is the one. I think this is the one for sure. Because if y'all are saying that I might have ceiling-wise Zion explosiveness along with the, you know, if anything, Paolo explosiveness along with the playmaking and, you know, versatility of guys like Jeremy Grant, Paolo Bancaro. Now we're talking. And I know my three ball can max out like 86, 87. So I got to get on that. They're saying that shooting is hard in this 2K, and it is. It definitely is. Because the, the practice shooting is not the game shot, catch and shoot that you're going to get when you're playing the game. So you got to really dial in. But I'm excited to log more hours with 2K. I have plenty of content coming along with that. But I got to hurry up and get to number five, the, the, the main event, the grand finale on this list. And that is, damn, did we have a weekend in wrestling. Man, oh, man. This is the main event of the podcast. Finally, The Rock has come back, ladies and gentlemen, to the WWE. So, shout out to Justin because... As we're peace, saying peace out Friday, and not even that, earlier than that, he said, hey, what are the odds that The Rock shows up tonight on SmackDown? And this is what I said. I said, you know what? It's a long shot, but it's if it were a bet, it'd be worth a sprinkle. It definitely would be worth a sprinkle. It would make you look twice. And I compared it to, I said, like you guys heard me talk about betting. I said, the Monday night game between the Jets and the Bills, I looked at the, you know, the lines and all that, the player props and all that. There was one prop that I looked at, and only because it ended up happening that I remember, but it was whether or not the game was going to go to overtime. And when you're looking at bets pregame, you're trying to see what you can trust actually spending your money on. And it's like, well, I guess that this bet, that this game I'm about to watch really will be tied after 60 minutes of play. I can't do that. And guess what? That Jets-Bills game went to overtime. And that, you know, bet would have paid handsomely. 
So I said that to Justin because I said, you know what? It might happen tonight. This is the first Endeavor show on Fox. This is a big deal. Justin pays attention to the emails that WWE sends out the you know, couple hours before their shows go live or the day that their show is live in whatever city they're in for Raw and SmackDown. And the promo email, he said, oh, they're in Denver. I said, oh. The Rock was on the Pat McAfee show because College Game Day is in Colorado for this Deion Sanders Colorado versus Colorado State game. Bro, this is probably going to happen. <laughs> and I then spent the rest of the night trying to do my work. And I got three heads up. Uh-oh. Hey. You're going to want to watch SmackDown tonight. <laughs> And that felt good because that's vintage stuff. That's Monday Night War stuff. That's, uh, you know, Attitude Era stuff of word of mouth. Yo, are you watching this? <laughs> because that's what it was, man. I definitely saved the viewing experience for when I got home, knowing that The Rock showed up. And I just, like, at this point, let me see how it happened. Shout out to Davey D, my guy David Hawkins. He sent me a DM like, hey, bro. I see what you were talking about with this wrestling. This is actually pretty crazy. And it, it really isn't anything else like it. So, I'm not going to play-by-play -play recap what happened with The Rock. But he did open the show, essentially. It was a, a long, uninterrupted 20 minutes or so. With my guy, Austin Theory. I, I told Justin that I like Theory. Y'all got to stop with Theory. Y'all got to stop. He is a heel. And he does his job as a heel. He's not supposed to be the favorite on the internet. He's a heel. He's supposed to do the corny stuff that pisses crowds off and makes you easy to boo. But at the end of the day, you hold your weight because, for one, I'm a physical specimen. Two, I've got X and Y accomplishments. And you boil that together along with the fact that, yeah, I still don't like you. And you have yourself a perfect heel. And it works. So my thing with theory is that we're throwing him shade and, or, you know, people throw him shade. And, oh, my God, like, it's not, it's not working. Ladies and gentlemen, it's working for Austin Theory. This is going to sound nuts, but he reminds me of a young Randy Orton. He does. Looks the part to the T. Entrance music is fire. Looks like a pro wrestler. Talks like a pro wrestler. Whether or not it's compelling whether or not it's, you know, just dynamite on the microphone. But he, he does, he, he has the pro wrestling archetype down to a T. And everything else can be added along the way, refined along the way, and it will come with time and experience and exposure. And that's what's happening for Austin Theory. So you guys can keep hating him, but the, kid, the kid's over. 
He's over because you don't like him. He's a heel. <laughs> Done with Austin Theory. The Rock. Man, so here's what I want to talk about, man. I got a couple other wrestling notes that I'll, I'll, I'll mention after this. But his return did something massive, massive, massive to the landscape of wrestling. This was an earthquake. The TV ratings will reflect it. I think they were north of 3 million views when The Rock was out there live. And wrestling hasn't done that in years. Because ratings have dropped across the board because people are consuming TV in multiple ways now. But they still carry their weight. They're at the top of the charts across across demos and, you know, categories in their respective ones they're you know they're not bottom dwellers in 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 ratings but the ratings overall have have trended downward but this did massive ratings and what it's done it has now essentially put pandora's box in front of us in terms of what can happen between now and the main event of wrestlemania and the thing is that WrestleMania is built, is billed as the end-all be-all of shows, but with storytelling and with the format of professional wrestling where there is no off-season and the night after your biggest show, you have to have a plan in place to continue your product seamlessly. So, we're, we're not looking at just WrestleMania 40, we're looking at past WrestleMania 40. We're looking at WrestleMania, we're looking at SummerSlam next summer. We don't even know where it's going to be yet, do we? We're looking at WrestleMania 41. Do we even know where it's going to be yet? But that's because we thought it was a lock that Cody was going to get his rematch with Roman. And The Rock shows up. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. The Rock versus Roman Reigns. The limit does not exist in terms of how box office this is for the WWE and the product and their company and what kind of revenue and reach and impressions and, you know, how big of a moment they can manufacture with The Rock and Roman Reigns. It's insane. It's insane. My, my subdued response to this and, and delivery of this, I hope conveys how much time I've like kind of just spent like, and not like, you know, an absurd amount of time, but in my podcasting and talking with Justin and just like how, how seriously the wheels are turning again in terms of what's going to go down in, in, in the pro wrestling future. But guys... WWE is loaded. The chamber is absolutely loaded right now. And that's my big takeaway. In terms of what should the main event of WrestleMania be, in terms of what, when Roman Reigns should lose his title, I don't know yet. But I have guesses. I think that Vince McMahon wants Roman Reigns to pass Hulk Hogan. And he would do that if he made it till SummerSlam next year (laughs) and you guys 
all probably think that is insane. And I'm the guy that thought Roman should 100% have beat Cody Rhodes going into and after WrestleMania 39 in SoFi. I think it was the perfect decision, confidently. And it's just because we're, while this run is happening and until it ends, we are in unprecedented territory. The timeline that is happening that will be bookended by Roman Reigns' current championship run will be glorified after the fact. Barring some very, very bad news story. We don't need to rush this to end. We don't know when it's going to end again. Or when it needs to end. When, when Michael Jordan's winning championships, you're not like, all right, all right, all right, all right, stop it, stop it, stop it, please, just stop it. No no more. We can take no more. This, this has to end. No. You let the greats be great. And it's going to keep happening whether you like it or not. Because I'm great, and this is my era. Y'all, I talk about Roman the way he trash talks because the dude gets it, man. I am an attraction. I am different. Don't speak of me like you would any other champion because none of them have done this like I'm doing it. Because they couldn't. If they would, if they could, they would. And guess what? There's a good thing going here. And, man, adding... Dwayne The Rock Johnson to the list of of folks who have fallen during this Roman empire of a run. Just vaulted enough. Dude, we're, 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 we're just putting mad toppings on top of this beautiful Sunday already. You know, they just keep spinning this, the spiral tip more and more and more. It's like, all right, dude, like, how can you guys keep this going? This is literally soft serve ice cream. It's like unlimited. (laughs) They will keep finding ways to make this thing compelling because it's never been done before in the modern era. And guess what? When it's over, it's not going to happen again ever or for another generation. So let's just be present in it. And I know we want to see Cody get the moment. I do too. Here's the thing. Rock versus Roman needs the belt. I won't have it any other way. And, you know, if that's the case, this is my stance in the writer's room and in production and and speaking with the talent. And if if my opinion held any weight. But it's that, guess what? We can make this card even better on paper and you know at face value by distributing the belt to a match that doesn't necessarily need the belt to make it a headline but if you do that you diminish whoever is holding the belt so and so like irreversibly because it's like yeah you were the guy that ended the best thing since sliced bread and then 
you were on the undercard at WrestleMania. You can't do that, dude. That would be a slap in the face to Cody. He could probably main event night one or something like that, sure. But guess what? When we, when it's all said and done, you're, you're the Usos and Kevin and, and Ko and Sammy, not Roman and Cody. And that's no shade, but that undoes the entire monument you've built with this title run. The person that runs with the ball after this needs to be flying as close to the sun as possible. Like, it can't be an afterthought. So if that means that the rain needs to continue post-WrestleMania, guess what, folks? Sit your happy ass down and watch the product. Because you're never going to get this again. (laughs) I'm not, you know, trying to talk crazy. But now that that's on the table, if it's going to happen, great. It might not because of the writer strike. And that could end. And The Rock might be in heavy, you know, popular demand again. But there's a lot of other what-ifs that we should consider between now and WrestleMania. The first one being L.A. Knight. Because if it's going to be Cody going after Roman, if that's what you want, it probably involves him winning the Royal Rumble. And if not, it would need the winner of the Rumble to target whoever the heavyweight champion is. And I feel like that only candidate right now is Gunther, maybe Jey Uso. Other than that, not sure who on the roster serves that role currently. That would not want to go after the top prize in the company, which is Roman, and taking him down at WrestleMania. So if you want Cody to do it that way, that might rub people the wrong way. L.A. Knight could win the Rumble, and that would be the loudest moment we've heard since maybe Rock and Hogan. (laughs) All hyperbole intended, but it would be insane if L.A. Knight won the Royal Rumble, the sort of pop that he got with that. I think that's a realistic option. I think that he is going to work with Roman Reigns in this current title run sooner rather than later essentially between now and wrestlemania i think that we will get a program with roman and la Knight, and if not maybe he does just fight an extension of the bloodline and i'd be fine with that because we're we're, we're still he he has to earn the shot against roman that that's what we do know but he could do it by winning the royal rumble that's just one thing cm punk What if CM Punk's in WWE before we know it? That does so much that we haven't even got to really breach on the podcast yet. But CM Punk and Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman doing his thing in a WWE ring. Oh my god. Do you know how many how much home run material that can that has the opportunity to produce? The sort of moment 
and build to that if it's a one-off match it's almost worth whatever the hell baggage comes along with CM Punk and that's the, you know the conversations around that are you might not just want this guy in the locker room and my response to that is hey if I'm working on the product and maybe it's because I'm literally a TV news producer but if I'm working on the product and I'm just thinking of what we could do y'all do y'all know what we could do if we had CM Punk it might be worth the risk Okay, I have another long shot. MJF. What if MJF, in the bidding war of 2024, leaves AEW and comes to WWE? Because we know it's going to happen, folks. And Max, if you're listening to me, I wish you were. I doubt you are because you think I'm a nerd, and that's fine. I'll take that from MJF. (laughs) But... Dude, stop playing, bro. I, I know you've gotten attached to the AW audience and probably have a, a real love because they've accepted you. Guess what, dog? It's time for your call up. This time, man. Don't let it, don't waste time. You know better than that. Time is money. Why do you want to waste that when you know you have unlimited potential? on the stage and platform that is WWE. And if that happens, I'm just throwing stuff at the chalkboard because I think that we're trying to predict the ending right now when there is a lot of game to be played between now and the end of this game, which is, you know, this, this, that's the thing. The Rock coming back just made everything uncertain yet more interesting. Because just look at the names we're talking about, folks. John Cena and The Rock were face-to-face on SmackDown. Roman Reigns hasn't even graced the TV screen in a month. And we know when that graphic pops up that he's returning, he's got business to address. Big business. Not just talking to Yossi. Sorry, I love you, AJ. It's not that was not a diss. But we got some things to discuss. Cody Rhodes. This guy is over, ladies and gentlemen. He is the face of this company going forward. I got on here and talked about the Cody Rhodes documentary. Go watch it if you haven't yet. CM Punk. MJF. You know how much you know how much potential for story there is? If we're talking about history, there's history with Rock and Cena. There's history with him, and there's literally blood with him and Roman Reigns. And I, what if we just threw Jey Uso and Jimmy Uso back into the mix, which guess what? We will by the time we're talking about WrestleMania. And The Rock will also be inserted into this with Solo Sokoa. It's craziness. I think that they won't be able to resist the temptation of CM Punk. CM Punk, Seth Rollins. CM Punk, Roman, Needle Mover. There's just a lot of meat. CM Punk and The Rock? John? Oh my gosh, dude. 
there's so much meat on the bone right now in wrestling. Haven't even mentioned Jade Cargill making her appearance by all accounts and reporting, you know, in, in the facilities this week. And her her debut is imminent. I'm so ecstatic for that. Jay Cargill, member of AKA, she's a member of the D9. Shout out to her. I saw her in uh, Vegas at All Out, All In. I can't tell you what pay-per-view I went to because the names are too damn similar. But saw her her here in in Vegas and um, actually saw her title reign come to an end. Didn't know that that was the back nine of her career in AEW, and it all makes sense to me now because it's unjustifiable why she hasn't been pushed to the top of the division. I know she needs some work done on her mat-based wrestling. That's fine. That woman is an attraction. She is a specimen. She is one of one. She's box office. And sky is the limit for her in WWE. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. Becky Lynch is the NXT Women's Champion. She hosted an open challenge on Raw. I don't know who answered yet. I haven't made it that far yet, but she damn near pulled a million viewers with Tiffany Stratton in the main event last week of NXT. That's big time, dog. Big time Bex. That's what she does. I think that that storytelling that, that's playing out right now is great. And if anything, just a, a stamp for NXT 2.0, man, because they, they take risks. They develop these wrestlers in the ring, on camera, backstage. And th- there's a lot of guys that we could look to as products of this recent generation of NXT superstars and feel really good about. For me, it's easy to equate, you know, a current batch of guys like Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov. You can almost lump Guther into this, but guys like Butch, he's sort of last gen too. But guys like um, J.D. McDonough, guys like Pretty Deadly, Grayson Waller, Trick Williams, Ilya Dragunov. These guys are going to work on the next level. Braun Breaker. These guys are all going to work at the next level. And we've seen how far uh, an astounding class and crop of wrestlers. Exhibit A, the OBW guys, The Rock. I mean, uh, John Cena, Batista, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. You know, generational guys. To Dusty's kids with Seth, Roman. Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks. Pillars. And we have some new ones, man, that that are building in NXT. But, man, the product is going crazy right now. Haven't said a word about the Judgment Day. Barely talked about Jey Uso. But I got to do some more wrestling content with some friends of the show. Going to get Quest on here soon. Going to work to do the show with Shug. Shug Wrestling, shout out. And of course, we'll get Justin back on here soon. But 
man, what a time, man. What a time. That is the weekend winners and losers, folks. Top five. That was a great week of sports that we just recapped and, and, and touched on. And that's what we where else, folks? Where else but D Hoop University? The D Hoop University podcast, folks. Don't forget, like and subscribe. As always, I'm going to save the shout outs I have for the next episode. <laughs> but um, leave us a review. We'll try and get some more video content up for you guys as well. Stay tuned. Definitely coming. And by all means, folks, this is just getting started still. This is, this is just getting started. But I think I'm finding my wings as a solo podcaster. And that means that, you know, content will be forthcoming. Trust and believe. Till next time, folks.